Lions. from Koreatown, it's the Brothers Miller, and we are here for the Ozone for you. This is unfair and, and partial sports, ladies and gentlemen. We're making you privy to a conversation that two brothers are having in the living room, except for we're not in the living room, we're in the studio, and we're amped. So we're going to get it started quick, fast uh, today. How you feeling today, Icons? I'm lukewarm. I'm you just lukewarm? I'm hot. I'm coming in hot. You're coming in hot. I'm coming in hot. I'm ready because we got so much to talk about. So much to talk about. We got to talk about the NBA preseason started, which I really like. Uh, and you know what's funny is because I usually don't actually even pay any attention to the preseason. But we got the preseason started. Saw a little something from uh, this new look Lakers with the young men out there. Were you impressed? Uh, there was some things to be excited about and some not so much. Uh, and then we need to talk about boxing. Man, there's some very bizarre activities going on in boxing. Even things are getting weird. Things are getting weird. It's not even funny. <laughs> the whole boxing world is out in Ukraine right now celebrating the WBC convention, which I, I found was pretty interesting. Right. And, uh, man, that would have been a nice invite, Mauricio. But it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, we'll catch I mean, you next year. Uh, yeah. I, I was a little tired anyway, so I didn't, you know. I didn't. Right on, it. dude. It's, it's a little cold in Ukraine right now. Um, we want to talk about that. want to talk a little bit about college football. Next victim may need to call back in because I don't know if you guys placed your bets, but he told you that USC was going to lose, and they lost. It's right on point. Right on the money with that. We got the Major League Baseball playoffs preview, and, I mean, I'm just so excited. This is why I'm coming in hot. I don't even know what to do with myself. It's almost go time. But we're going to start off with the NFL. A lot of stuff going on in the NFL right now. Injuries going on in the field right now. <laughs> and by stuff, I mean torn ligaments is, <laughs> is what's going on. Cats are dropping like flies. Man, it's really unfortunate. And so far, my fantasy team has not been bitten by the injury bug, so I'm very excited about that. My team finally woke up. I think I shared with you guys that I got a grade A finally on my fantasy draft, which resulted in me going 0-2 to start the season. Would have been a lot better if he would have listened. Fans, you got to listen to me. Man, I told him to him pick up. Kareem Hunt. Yeah. This guy is Kareem Hunt. <laughs> I told him. And what was, was terrible was that I was playing Kareem Hunt that first week, and he <laughs> just put it on me. But but it was the Hurricanes that really took me under. Kareem Hunt took you under. Kareem Hunt took me under, but but Jameis Winston and Jarvis Landry didn't play, and uh, I had somebody else on my squad that didn't play because of that. So it, it Jarvis Landry it wouldn't have done anything anyway. You have to have somebody throw you the ball. Ooh, Jay and they don't Cutler. have it. Well, let's start there. Let's start in, in, in bloody London, mate. Cheerio. With the cut creator, Jake Cutler. <laughs> the cut creator on the ones and twos getting shut out. How you like them apples? Bageled. Are you kidding? In football? By the Saints? <laughs> yeah, the number one defense in football. Not. Wow. What is what is up with that? That was you know what? I had somebody hit me from um from London, friend of ours who's actually affiliated with a, a great site out there called Dugout. Uh it's like a it's, it's like a, a European bleacher report, if you will. Primarily focuses on uh soccer or football as they call it. And uh you know, he said he went to the football game at the stadium. It was giant, 90, 80,000 80, 90, people. He said it was the very last of the American sports that he needed to 
go-to. Okay. And he concluded that basketball is his favorite American sport to be a part of, which I thought was interesting. It makes sense because it's the most high-paced and, you know, there's, there's the most amount of uh, attempts and so on and so forth. Right. Um, but that's what kept his interest. And he said this game in particular he wasn't too fond of, partially because of the blowout nature. And he says Americans complain all the time about soccer because there's not enough action. And in this game, there really wasn't much action at all. 20 to nothing, nothing too exciting. By halftime, but the game was decided. But there were points scored, though. They're usually in soccer, you can go a whole match and there's no point. There's no nothing. Goal! <laughs> we didn't get that. We didn't get that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, um, that was interesting. But what are we seeing out there? It seems like Drew Brees is doing what Drew Brees does on an abbreviated level because 20 points, putting up 20 points for Drew Brees isn't necessarily setting, lighting the sky on fire. Not classic Brees. Not, but he did give you just enough of what you needed. Just enough to win. He's a winner. Which is Drew Brees. Yes. Classic Brees. Uh, but it also speaks for the Dolphins' defense, in my opinion. The Dolphins' defense isn't the problem. And I, you know what? I, that's still the jury's still out because the Dolphins' defense hasn't been tested yet. I mean, go, even going against Drew Brees, Drew Brees doesn't have the weapons that he normally has. Like Willie Sneed wasn't really back yet. Willie Sneed didn't even play. Willie Sneed was suspended for the first few games, and now he's coming back. So I need to see the Dolphins get battle tested against a real squad because their defense is ranked pretty nice. I don't. It's in the top ten, I do believe. But I don't think that they're really a top ten defense. On paper, they have all of the, you know, they have it all on paper. There's no reason to not believe in them defensively, and I even believe that with that high ranked defense, you're still not going to win many games because you don't even have a game manager in Jay Cutler. You, it's, you, you don't have the guy that you need. Do we know Tannehill's out for the whole season? Oh, Tannehill's from the ACL. Yeah, yeah. Put a fork in him. Man, he's done. That ACL is un- unbelievable, man. It's just dangling all over the place, and it's yeah. always lurking in the NFL to snap on you. Man. So Ready. please, <laughs> step off my back, or I will attack, and, and you, you don't, don't want that. that. <laughs> the ACL's ready to attack. Damn it, it. is. Uh, and it they got, they got your fantasy team. At they got the young Dalvin moment. Cook. They did, Mr. I, Dalvin. I hate to hear that about it. that young kid. That kid is, you know, he was the next thing coming up. And to see him blow his ACL out like that, come on, man. You really believed in that kid. I believed huh? in him. He was up there with AP as far as in, you know, in Minnesota folklore. You know the thing that I realized about football, and just like with Kareem Hunt, you don't need a large sample size in no, football. To know. Or not even just to know, but or to because because of the nature, the volatile nature of getting hurt in football, you don't necessarily need a large sample size to know if this guy or to crown this guy the next guy. You need that from certain positions. Right. That have more longevity, like a quarterback or maybe a wide receiver. But you don't necessarily need that from the running backs, from the defensive players. If you come up and you you get 13, 14 sacks, guess what? You're it. It's yeah. real. And look at Kareem Hunt. I mean, the guys, I think he's run for almost 500 yards already. Um, they compared him. They were, they were saying that they, they were surprised that they thought that he can replace Jamal Charles, but he looks more like Priest Holmes to me. Ooh, Priest. Yeah. Priest was a monster. Well, the other thing that I really wanted to speak about, uh, there's two teams – that are that are hurting, and one of them is the Super Bowl champion. And we have a giant Super Bowl champion, New England Patriot fan, that's just waiting in the wings to give his two cents about what's wrong really? with the squad. You got somebody chomping at the bit. Hello. Trucker Dave, live in the Ozone. Oh, how's it going? Oh, everything's good. Oh, yeah, baby. oh yeah, baby. Oh, you got a little bit of echo. Are you got us on speaker? Hold on. What about now, fellas? 
All good. Sounding great. Sounding great. Now, what we want to talk about, we want to jump right into it. I can hear you out on the road, on this these beautiful roads of the United States of America, land of the free and home of the brave that needs unity now more than ever in the wake of all of this crisis and tragedy. I want to know what's going on in Foxborough. The New England Patriots look very, very fallible. What's happening? Lay it on us. Let me just give a take a moment of silence for all of the people that lost their lives. You know, it's a pretty sad day, even the day after in America. Even seeing all of the pictures, all the people that lost their lives, it's pretty sad, you know, losing all of the luxuries in America. But uh, just to get back to the Patriots, they look like um, they just can't pull it all together. I, I would go with the defensive coordinator, Rob Patricia, um, he has to be responsible. They can't get off the field on third down. That's a huge problem. Um, you've got Stephon Gilmore with this uh, two terrible penalties at the end of the game. Their run defense isn't good. The, sec- uh, the secondary having problems. I mean, people were saying this team will be 16-0. and 0. And now they're, they're, they're struggling at, at 500. So you, you tell me, what is the fix? Do they get rid of the D.C.? Do they – I mean, you have the personnel. They made all of these offseason moves. The icons here were telling me how the Patriots were even better. They're going to go into the season even better than they were last year. And and now we're not – we're seeing – uh, they're, they're almost laying an egg out there. What's going on? What's what's the that's fix? What everybody's trying to figure, that's what everybody's trying to figure out. I think a big problem is Malcolm Butler, too. I think his problem with him is he's got to he got expose his size on bigger receivers. Um, he can't guard a bigger receiver. So, you know what, teams are looking at that, seeing that this guy's like 5'9 and 5'10, so you're just lining up a bigger receiver on him. And uh, even with help over the top, he's missing assignments. Gilmore is missing assignments. It always goes back to week one. Um, they got to get this figured out, and, and a lot of people think that, you know, they're going to get it figured out. But how can you get it figured out when you don't have a good pass rush? Somebody needs, needs to let me know that. How are you going to do it? Hmm. Serious, serious question. I mean, I really have to put it on the defensive coordinator. I, it's not acceptable for them to have that kind of talent on defense and then not be able to, you know, execute. Execute. They just don't get it done now. They they are averaging almost giving up close to thirty points a game. That's a lot of points. Yeah, and they're like thirty second uh, in the league on defense. Yeah, but I, I I have to say a lot of this problem is Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick. You didn't not want to sign Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones has four four sacks already. You know, he gave him a lot of quarterback pressures. Um, He didn't want to sign Jamie Collins. It's just like some of those moves, they come back to bite you, and you can't use your philosophy that worked before on everybody. You know, you just can't do that. I mean, Chandler Jones, you need Chandler Jones, man. I mean, they were looking at him like, okay, he's weak against the run, but he gets in the backfield even if he doesn't get a sack. And he's doing that for Arizona. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, they could definitely still use him. I thought they were going to suffer from not having him last year in the Super Bowl, but they were able to overcome that uh, by the gift given by, by the Atlanta Falcons, who also are running into the injury bug right now. What do you think about that? You got Sanu. You got, you got, you Julio. got Julio. You get the stretch. Yeah. You got some problems out there with these two with last year's to, to try to get back to the Super Bowl rematch it, it seems to be very unlikely right now why do you, why both of you guys i just have a question why do you think that everybody's struggling why is everybody having such a hard time even when they have everybody to get it all together now what do you mean struggling i mean because 
Atlanta's really not struggling. They struggled last game. Yeah. But they were because they were undefeated, but they're only struggling now because of those injuries. So if you lose Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu, who are the main factors of your offense in right. one game, then you're going to you're going to struggle. So they can now game plan to to work around Tevin Coleman and actually Devonta Freeman at this point. Which I But Julio's supposed to be back. Well, they have a bye next week, so that should help everybody heal up. I mean, the professional athletes' bodies' ability to recover is like a mutant. We've seen it time and time again. Turtle in a nutshell, in a half shell. What is it? The teenage mutant. Yeah, they 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 can they can re up quickly, especially with all the professional treatment and everything like that. Um, but yeah, I you know I I I saw the Raiders took a blow this week to the back that I think they're lying about. They're making it sound like Derek Carr is only going to be gone from two to six, and they keep trying to sell everybody that it's on the two side. The Raider fans don't believe that. You, the way that it looked, it didn't look good. I can tell you that. You can't fracture your back and then just pop back. It's, it's just not possible. That's so true. That's so, that is so true. I mean, if you look at Derek Carr, the biggest problem I was uh, thinking to myself about Derek Carr is that as much as I like him, he just doesn't have a signature win. He needs, like, you know, one of those wins, like Alex Smith just got that win in New England. He right. needs a signature win, but he's hurt. And I think that's the same problem with Julio Jones. Julio Jones, in my opinion, would be – could be one of the best receivers to ever play the game if he wasn't hurt and if they used him the right way. Right. What What do you think they need to do to, you know, make him a little bit better and make him let him be able to touch the ball more? He touches the ball. They target him a lot. And they he's always double enough, or triple you know? team. You know, I mean, I mean, just hike the ball and get him the ball. Use him on reverses. Use him anyway until you show me he's kind of has the – the kill O'Neal effect. Until you show me that you can stop him, I'm going to keep giving him the ball. You know what I mean? I'm not going to stop getting Julio Jones the ball. But you know what? The injuries have, you know, like he, last year turf toe, this year hip injury. There's always something like you're like, wow, what happened to Julio Jones this week? I mean, that shows you football's a tough sport, though. You know from bowlers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know even just from being on set, let alone from actually taking some hits. But it's, uh, it, it's real, man. I mean, that that was a spear that we saw with Derek Carr last night. It was just a spear with a knee instead of with a with a helmet. I think it was a two piece because you know when he got hit with the knee and then your man grabbed his head at the same time. Not the kind of head yeah. you want to get. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the one you're looking for. <laughs> when you're looking for it's just a bad situation. You know, one thing that you see from guys like the Aaron Rodgers of the world and like the Russell Wilson, maybe the best example, even Tom Brady. You see these guys keep themselves out of awkward positions physically to get hurt. Sometimes you have to recognize, hey, you know what? I just got to take this sack. And I, and I have to take it in a certain way to go down before I get that knee to the back. And I think that's this, a, and the other. a youth issue because the young guys feel like they can do more than what they you know. We saw it with RG3. Yeah. He just didn't he, believe he, the fat meat greasy. Yeah, he didn't believe that Nada could catch him. And Nada said, yes, I can, I can. catch you. And I'm, I'm going to ruin your career. I'm going to mess up your career and give you this torpedo. Yeah. I'm giving you the helicopter. And he never recovered from it. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say something else. I don't know if you guys watch this Raider game, but honestly, E.J. Manuel came in and dimed the cook who gave us the crocodile arm who didn't catch the pass that would have had the Raiders potentially win that game 17-16. I don't know if you guys actually saw that or not. Sorry, but they weren't going to win that game. Yeah, I don't. You can't say that just because. I mean, obviously, they, did. they didn't win, <laughs> they the, didn't game, win the game. But, but if he catches that pass, they're up 17-16 you know, given an extra point, which no longer is a given. But but that's what I'm saying. You have look at the variables. You're, you're, All I need you to do is catch the pass. Miller, you're begging. That's it. No, catch the pass. You're begging. Catch the pass. That's it's not the same thing happened all. last night. 
um, they had the potential to win the game. The Redskins had the potential to win the game, and that receiver went up and dropped the ball in the end zone. You got to catch that ball. Kirk Cousins put the ball where it was he supposed put to the be. Ball. But Kirk Cousins, the yeah, one at the end of the day, he'll get blamed for it because he didn't get the he job will. done. And then and they'll punish yeah. him by paying him twenty five million dollars for one Man, season. What a bummer. <laughs> You got to look at it like that. I mean, you brought up a great point. Okay, E.J. Emanuel comes in and he makes a, you know, a good throw down the field. And you know what? It took him a couple of years to develop the NFL. But you know what? What happens is you'll have a couple of guys that come out and blow it up, you know. And you have a guy that'll come out like uh, RG3 did, and he did really good in his rookie season. Then you have an Andrew Luck who did really good in his rookie season. And everybody will expect that quarter, the other quarterbacks, to catch on really quick. So the general managers from drafting them are under so much fire that if this guy doesn't perform right away, then we get rid of him. And that's the classic example of people needing time. And the NFL is not that kind of a sport that gives you time. Look at Kareem Hunt. I mean, this guy's got one of the fastest starts in NFL history. He's like, I think, four games. He's got over 500 yards rushing. I mean, this guy, man, he might end up with 16, 1,700 yards. Yeah. But at the quarterback position... They expect you to come out there and just light it up because you got a Deshaun Watson who came out there and showed everybody that he can play. So that puts all the pressure on the other rookie. And people are saying, like, this rookie, I mean, this guy, Sam Arnold, I mean, what if he falls down to a team like the Chargers? That will revitalize L.A. I mean, this, the Chargers are 0-4. So if they can pick up a Sam Arnold and let Phillip Rivers go, then you have a whole different fan base for the Chargers and the reason for them, reason for people to come out and see the Chargers. Because they're having a hard time. They're having a hard yeah, time uh, uh, filling up that stadium. Even though <laughs> they're they're 0-4, but I, I've read something. Their margin of loss in total is something like 26 <laughs> points or something. They always lose and the close games. And that was only because of this last game was a little, was was stretched more than the other ones. They, the first three were by seven points because they, the kicker. Right. That's a, that's, a, right. That's, that's a tough pill to swallow if you're a... You know, if you're a Chargers fan. That's a really tough pill, pill to swallow. But you got to remember, you're in Los Angeles. If you don't start winning, people will not come, man. It's not like That's San true. Diego. You know, so it's a lot of pressure on you. And yeah. uh, you guys, they got to figure it out. They got a young coach, and they have an old quarterback. So that's not a good uh, combination when you're not winning. When I'm watching them, it looks like they don't really have a scheme, which is a problem what? because they used to be like a pound, ground and pound. And I don't, I don't get that feeling anymore. Yeah, you don't get that feeling anymore because you stuck with guys that are older now, like Antonio Gates, and you know. And the individual accolades that they celebrate for all these guys, and and you you hear more about this person catching this pass and passing this person on the right. on the chart and this right. and the other than you actually hear about. Hey, the fans aren't coming to the stadium, and the team is not winning. Right, you are not going to be able to play in Southern California sports without winning. It's just not going to yeah. happen. And the Rams have are doing the opposite. Too many other things to do, and the Rams are trending upward. I got Todd Gurley on my fantasy squad, and man, oh man, are they balling out? And what does that say about Jeff Fisher? He had that kid last year, golf on the bench, and he wouldn't have that kid golf looks good. As a matter of fact, we got another caller who's waiting in the wings right now. He's he's lighting my phone up. I think we got Cowboy Kev. Hold on a second. Let me click <laughs> him in. Hello? Cowboy Kev. Oh, there he is. Cowboy Kev live on the Ozone with Trucker Dave. The icons and Big O. We just start, start talking about Todd Gurley and what Todd Gurley and Jared Goff were able to do with the mighty Dallas Cowboys <laughs> on Sunday. How about them Cowboys, Goo Goo? What's happening, Cowboy Kev? 
How you doing? How you doing, family? It's it's good to be back. It's been a while. It's been a while. You always welcome in the ozone. You just you, you never call in until it's football season. Hey, I, I missed y'all. It's been a while. You know, you had me off for a while. I know. Uh, you know, it's 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 uh, second season now. Dak and and Zeke, they you know they sophomores now, and all the hype is going on, and so everybody, you know, they're thinking uh, we. We we back to the old Cowboys, but it's still early. You know, don't relax, don't don't get too excited. The Rams are pretty good this year. Yeah, they, yeah. Uh, they're they're not the team they were last year. They you know with the new young coach, they got some uh, a new excitement over there. They're using Gurley the way they should be, and you know, I expected this to be a, a good game going in, but uh, I think that was one we gave away. I don't think that you could have done anything about that. Todd Gurley is like, you can't even put a label on this dude, man. He's like a, a Le'Veon Bell, uh, maybe a little bit better than Le'Veon at this point, you know? Yeah, well, you, you, you still, they, I, I, our defense is suspect, in in my opinion. We uh, we got a lot of gaps that need to be filled, but still, they, they, they had to kick seven field goals to still <laughs> win a game. So it wasn't like, you know, Gurley just, just killed us. Uh, the defense did enough to early killed you. Put us in position to to, to win the game. Offensively, well, we didn't make the adjustment second half and basically got shut down. The six points that's unacceptable. Let me tell you something. Todd Gurley had twenty three rushing attempts with one hundred and twenty one yards, eight targets for seven receptions, and ninety four receiving yards with a touchdown. Todd Gurley killed you. Todd Gurley killed you. <laughs> I mean, that's good money. So, if, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott, he, he didn't have as many rushes. He had uh, about 60 uh, receiving yards as well. I just think, you know, the second half, they made the adjustment. We didn't make the adjustment. So it comes back to coaching again. Yeah. Are you And you, you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of Jason Garrett. I, I just think he can't get us to the promised land, and there's there's a – consistent inconsistency every year when, you know, last year was, uh, you know, unexpected. This, you know, that the Zeke combo just came out of nowhere and nobody really had a chance to really study them. But now you got, you know, you got tape to uh, kind of study them and, you know, everybody played okay. You know, they didn't play that bad offensively, but, uh, I think, you know, Dak is still settling in. He's got to understand sometimes he's got – he stays in the pocket too long and he can tuck the ball and get 10, 12 yards easy when he's trying to force the ball to, you know, Jason Witten or somebody. And once he makes those decisive uh, moves, that's going to open it up even more. You know who but, did look good was Des know, Bryant. Yeah, but they, they're having a problem, too, because him and Dak aren't on the same page because he's trying to force the ball to Dez. Now, Dez doesn't have breakaway anymore. No, but that's, I saw Dez underneath when the game was tight. I saw yeah, Dez making yeah. moves. What were you going to say, uh, Trucker Dave? Well, I was just going to say Dez. that, you know what? You know what? Like, with Dez Bryant, they knew, I mean, like Kev was talking about, before the season even started, they had problems on defense. So they drafted Taco Charlton. Oh, Taco Charlton, Taco Charlton. But you know what? They got this guy Lawrence, who's leading the league in sacks right now. And oh, you know what can you? Yeah, he's doing a great job. So what can you really say? But these teams have to have time to develop. I mean, 
Nobody has, none of the, the fans have patience anymore. If you don't come out and yeah. just win the Super Bowl, everybody just, you know, wants to throw you under the bus. I mean, yeah, that's the key goal. That can win you Super Bowl. So, hey, your future is good. You have your quarterback, you have your running back. You have to address your secondary, and you have to address yeah. your receivers. You guys need yeah. a breakaway receiver. So I would trade them while theirs is still good. I mean, even though he doesn't get that much separation. But I would trade him right now. I, I agree with you. I, 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 well, also, I don't think they, they – I mean, some of the, the, the routes they have Dez running, I don't think they get him into a, a, a route where he can get some open space. Uh, he, you know, towards the end of the game, they ran routes more where they, they had him coming about slants over the middle um, instead of just, you know, trying to – send him straight out and just throw it over the top all the time because that, that hasn't seemed to, to work. The, the cornerbacks are going to be physical with him, you know, from the snap. And so I think they got to mix it up a little bit as, as well. But uh, you still, you, you know, Cole Beasley and and uh, Williams, they're solid receivers that I don't know. I don't think they mix it up enough to um, – to really use all the, the, the weapons that they do have. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but Dallas is trending upwards, though. I mean, where could you go Absolutely. after you had a season like last year, but down? They're 2-2. Two and two. They still got a great yeah. offensive line, but they got to show that he can get – you need a receiver that can stretch the field because they're starting to load the box now. You don't see Ezekiel with those big numbers like you saw last year. It was the that's same true. thing that happened to Todd Gurley. Yeah, they make adjustments, and if you can't make the adjustments with them in every professional sport, this is what makes it the big leagues, no matter what it is that you're playing in. you got to be able to make right. the adjustments. Right, they exploit your and flaws. Now, those, are, those are the moments, though, where I think that he has opportunities to suck the ball and take off and get 12, 15 yards. And, you know, there was one instance uh, last game, he tried to force one in the end zone to Witten, and – he he had the whole field to run for a touchdown himself, and he ended up overthrowing him. There's there's plays like that that I think he's been kind of indecisive on, and he ends up either overthrowing the the, the player or dumping it off to somebody short, and you end up in a, uh, a long third down situation that you end up not getting anything. Well, wouldn't that be play calling though? From the offensive coordinator? Well, maybe it would be me because, you know, <laughs> I'm still down here on the knee, goo-goo. I could use a little help getting that. Come on, boy. Come on, help me out. <laughs> or you can call Texas Rex Tillerson. <laughs> and, I, and I could bring out some cattle. <laughs> and some T-bone steaks. <laughs> and some Angus beef. <laughs> maybe we need more beef up front is what we need from Texas Rex. We definitely won't send any out to Puerto Rico, but we can get some down here in Texas. <laughs> Thanks, Rex. We'll see you later. No problem. Now. He went down to Puerto Rico, and he, he's addressing their needs. <laughs> Dude, that's like what we need to do down here in Dallas, and we got to get back to winning. Hey, that's a whole, that's a whole nother discussion. We're going to get it together. Oh, my We're gonna goodness. We're going to get it together. God bless our uh, country. And God bless the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, fellas. Well, it's been great having you guys on as family in the Ozone. They really, really appreciate the insight. Trucker Dave, where are you in this great wide country right now? Well, I just I'm just passing the nation's capital. Oh, really? I was surprised when I went under the tunnel that I had reception. You know, it's a beautiful day out here in Washington. Beautiful. Wow. I hear the East Coast is all lit up right now, and it's about to go down because in a couple hours, a Major League Baseball playoff starting. There is nothing like October baseball, and the Nationals are primed to make noise. uh, Yeah, who do you got, Minnesota uh, against the Yankees? I'm going to tell you the truth. We, we're going to cover it in a little bit, but I don't think this game is potentially as cut and dry as everybody thinks yeah, it everybody is. everybody just thinks that the Yankees are going to stump Everybody them. thinks the Yankees are going to roll them, and I don't like the idea that Miguel Sano isn't playing. The big third baseman uh, who I have on my fantasy team isn't playing for the Minnesota Twins tonight. He's been hurt. But Irvin Santana, Irvin Santana has playoff history, and yes. he's a big-time pitcher. Yes. And Lou Severino is a monster. I'm talking about his stuff is dirty, nasty, filthy, but I need, just like how you were talking about Derek Carr and a signature win, this could potentially wow. be that signature win for, Sir, uh, for for Servino because he's in multiple games, big games this year, he's faltered. And he sure puts has. the team in a position not necessarily to lose, but he isn't lights out like he is in other games that don't have the same high stakes. Games against Toronto, right. games against Boston with Chris Sale, games against other marquee pitchers. So on paper, the Yankees definitely should win this game, especially at Yankee Stadium. But I, I'm anticipating I a good game. Right. Well, I'm going four three. You're going four three. Going, Yankees. I, I don't. I'm not going to put it. I'm just saying the score is going to be around four three. I can't put. It, I can't tell you. <laughs> you like a four three yeah, game. I just like a four three game, like a four three defense. <laughs> Hey, hey, don't forget about the ladies tomorrow, man. I watch game four, man. Man, we need to speak on them sparks. And how about this? Is Candace Parker the greatest of all time? Is Candace Parker going right up there with Lisa Leslie now? I watch Candace Parker's highlights. Man, she balls out. You can't hold her. Her footwork is fantastic. I got to say, I was at game four. Oh, nice. I was Highly disappointed. You're at home. You're at home. Got to close it out. To, to, you got to close it out. I, and 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 the Candace Parker you talk about, she was nowhere in the building. She wasn't to be found. I saw the, the highlight. I didn't get to see the whole game, so I could be speaking with forked tongue. But the yeah, highlights that I saw, she put in work. Minnesota was on the glass. Minnesota beat them up. They they they, they bullied them, right? They got the offensive rebound. And, you know, they, the, the Sparks couldn't get a rebound. They turned the ball you know, over. They had no energy. It just, you know, I don't know. I, you, you would think that um, they would be excited and pumped up to, to win it at home. But, you know, this is the, the same thing that happened last year. They ended up winning it uh, on the road. So, you know, it's not like <laughs> you can't. Hey, but you know why they won it on the road, right? It's because Magic walked into their locker room. And he looked like he was sick in game four when he was losing. He looked like he was, he was sick. He's a stone cold winner, man. He's a stone cold winner. I saw him post a picture up with his queen, and uh, he was devastated that they didn't get the job done. <laughs> you could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you got to close that thing out at home when you've got an opportunity. You know, anything can happen on the road. Anything but, can happen. Yeah. But it's been a great they, series. They, they play well on the road. Sometimes, you know, you you got better focus 
been coming off a, a, a bad loss, so I think they will be more focused, you know, but the place is going to be jumping. You know, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah, and and as usual, I anticipate a parade and a championship in Los Angeles. Fellas, it's been great having you. Yeah. Thanks for your input on the Ozone. We're out. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. Lively discussion, ladies and gentlemen. A great discussion on the Ozone about the state of the NFL. Man, this is going to be interesting to see. I mean, nobody really spoke about the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs are your faves. They pulled off that dub. <laughs> what, what Chiefs are real, man. I'm, they are very much so real. I, it seems like, biggest, Alex, seemed like Alex Smith had turned the corner. Well, I don't even think that it's him turning the corner as much as it is that kid that they have sitting there and laying in waits to take his job. That always helps you out. That always helps you turn the corner. <laughs> That's <laughs> motivation. Them. <laughs> right. I still felt like he didn't do enough to get the, you know, to stretch the game out because they don't, they never really look deep. Even when Josh Norman got hurt last night, they didn't. For some didn't, reason, they don't. It seems like they're, they're scared to let Tyreek go over the top nowadays. I don't understand. Yeah. And I'd see Tyreek. Literally, if you see a guy like him who keeps cr- cutting across the middle and catching passes, you see the guy like him getting hurt, you know, because he's not a big guy. He's a burner. So, you know, he has burners. So, you don't – usually small guys like that, you don't have them running across the middle right. like that and right, take right, those right. kind of big hits. And I saw him take a couple of big hits. Right. So, you need him, you know, you have tr- – but you have, the, like, the best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey right now. And you have Tyreek Hill. And you have this kid, Kareem Hunt, that can come out the backfield and catch and everything else. He's looking like Priest Holmes reincarnate. So, <laughs> I mean, the defense is getting itself together. It's not the best right now, but it's definitely not the worst. Yeah, I mean, but they win. That's the point. They yeah, just they win. They figure they it out. Get, yeah, and that was a big win the other night, last night. Yeah, that's a good point. Another good point is that clutch college prediction that came through from Next Victim, who not so surprisingly is on the line to gloat. Let's hear what he's got for this week. Next Victim. Cracking. Lying in the ozone. Talk to me. I see you came through clutch one time. So how did you know USC was going to come up short? Man, first of all, thanks for having me. Y'all better roll with me, nation. I know my picks. I know my picks. I went like five or six. Um, but how did I know? SC, we talked about it. Sam Darnold, he's clutch. But he just, the previous game the week before, just didn't seem like he had it. The confidence wasn't there. And going to the Pacific Northwest to go play any game, whether if it's college football, NFL, yeah. baseball, is play. <laughs> it is so tough to go play up there. So I had to go with Washington State. You know, I like the young guns. They, they play ball. They play. They, they spread you out. Um, the team is fast, and they just got heart. And once you get into the top twenty-five rankings. You know, it's like a, a certain confidence for these college kids. They feel like they can they can do whatever. They they just turn into Hercules and just you know the muscle is there. They strong. Yeah, and if you have the proper guidance, they can accomplish anything. Well, uh, uh, along those lines, I see that uh, Clemson did their best Kirk Franklin impersonation and went in there and stopped. They went in there and got busy at V Tech. Uh, but I want to talk about what's coming up for this week. What do you what do you like in college football? What are the big games, the trends that you like that you think we need to look out for moving toward that also important Fiesta Bowl and all the national championship games, which will be here before we know it? Ooh, it's going down, like I always say. College football this week. Not too many real big games. Not too many real big games at all. We got the favorite, the number one Alabama going at um Texas A&M. We know how that's going to turn out. Yep. Um, I guess the big rival game 
would be the Michigan State Spartans going against that mighty big blue and gold, the University of Michigan. That will probably be the biggest game this weekend. Um, I told you I went to a game out there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's so many kids. The whole town of Ann Arbor comes out for these games. Yeah, it's it's unreal. Cool. You go, it you go to like reveal. <laughs> it, it is. You go to this place called Zingerman's Deli. You get a big fat salami sandwich, a big deli sandwich, and then bam, you walk over to the stadium. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable, right? I want I, I want that experience, and not through you. I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Tickets are available. <laughs> As it should be. Uh, Who you got in that game? I got to go with Michigan State. Michigan State is, again, I said it last week, when you play the right style of football, you win. When you play that strong, this is that Big Ten conference, when you play that Big Ten style old school football, you win. I like Michigan State. Um, I like the hardball guy, but I got to go. When you lose to Florida early in the season, you're not ready for this type of game yet. You got to get the kids prepared. Got to be prepared. Huh. Now, I got a question for you. We've been talking about how many injuries are plaguing the NFL and how whether it's your fantasy team or whether it's your, you know, uh, uh, just watching the team that you love, how the NFL is so unpredictable because you never know who's going to get hurt and how bad from week to week. <laughs> Why does it seem like college athletes, despite some of them playing both sides of the ball, get hurt less often? What what do you attribute that to? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't know. Either they're playing without the serious injury or, you know, not not telling the medical staff how, how serious the injury they may have and just and still trying to get to the league. I, but I don't know. Maybe I don't, you know, I don't know if it's that because because you still have to perform. And when it comes to Football isn't the kind of game that you can nurse an ACL tear. You can nurse a sprained ankle. You can nurse certain injuries. But the kind of injuries you see in the NFL, like this past weekend, we see a guy broke his sternum. Derek Carr got speared with a knee in his back and fractured his back. You see injuries that are insane. Is it just a matter that these guys are that much bigger, that much stronger, moving that much faster? Or is it a technique yeah. thing? Like what? Or, or is it an age thing? Is it the idea that when you're 20 years old, you actually can get hurt and bounce back faster than you can when you're 26? I think it's that, that you're younger. And in the NFL, everyone can play. Everyone knows how to play the right way. Mm. In college, the four years or five years that you're there, you're still trying to, you know, say there's 52-man roster. You say you got 22, 11 on offense, 11 on defense you know, starters, those 11 are the ones that, or those 22 are the ones that really know how to play. They're playing every down in each and every play, but you still want to groom them for the, you know, for the two or three years. So you're still learning actually how to play at that next level. So I I really think that, um, I think the NFL is hey, hey, give me the mail ticket and I get my finger cut. Hey, I'm sitting on the bench for four to six weeks. Huh. Pay me. <laughs> I got a family to take care of. So pay me the meal tickets while I ride this pond with a with a broke finger. Wow. Wow. Well, wow, that's a that's a good point. 
All right. Well, who else you like in that? You said not too many crazy big games. Like I said, I admittedly don't follow college all that much. I catch a game when I'm at the house, when I'm nursing one of my or injuries. You, or if you in Ann Arbor. Or if I happen to be stumbling through Ann Arbor. Um, but uh, but uh, but we also got college basketball rankings came out. College basketball just started, is about to start up. Who do you like in college hoops? Man, I got to roll with Michigan State, boy. Oh, you did? You sound like a homer for Michigan State. You're not even... You're not even from Michigan. What's going on here? Man, I like <laughs> Spartans. Spartan up. You know, we is Michigan. to Michigan State. You got to stand with them. So we Spartan up. But the reason I like Michigan State is, is basically Urban Magic Johnson, greatest point guard, greatest Laker ever. So ever since then, wherever he go, I, I, he's from Michigan. I got to run with Michigan State Spartans. And um, for the college basketball Duke is at number one, of course, but Michigan State has a bunch of returners. And um, Miles Bridges, the kid, was a freshman last year. He had the opportunity to come to the NBA this year. He decided not to. He had his dad in his corner. His dad uh, wanted him to stay one more year. He will probably be the number one draft pick coming out of um, out next season. The dude is about six. Six, seven, six, eight. He's a left-hander. He's inside. He's outside. He got the entire package, and um, he, he's he's coached by one of the greatest, Tom Izzo. So I got to go with Michigan State, and I'm calling it right now. Ozone Nation, roll with me. Michigan State will win the national championship. Wow, that's a big statement before the season. Jeez. Well, there it is. There you have it. We got some uh, some NBA preseason popping, but we'll leave that because it's not sizzling up just yet. It's time for baseball. Want to get your pick because we're laying out ours. Who do you like in this round robin tournament of Major League Baseball to get to the World Series and win it all? Who are you taking? Since your Angels like, are out, I like the Twins tonight. You like, like the, the twins, twins tonight. tonight. You like the Twins tonight. Interesting. Interesting. I like the twins. And I, I think you like the Twins because Irvin Santana was a one-time Absolutely. Angels ace. Next victim. Next victim. Always welcome in the Ozone. Thank you for your expertise. And, uh, and, and thanks for that shock pick with USC last week. We'll see what happens this week in the Ozone. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Well, I want to move on to the sport of boxing, and uh, it's such an interesting situation that that's going on right now. Um, first and foremost, we have to say goodbye to a wonderful champion. Andre Ward retired, and we didn't give him his proper due in the Ozone, not because wasn't of... Wasn't right. Uh, yeah, yeah, we just, we didn't, we didn't have, we ran out of time. And he retired to not necessarily much fanfare. But it needs to be understood what it is that that Andre Ward did in the sport and brought to the table. For one, what he did is he brought integrity to the game of boxing. Uh, If you've watched any of his HBO specials before he fights, they they chronicle his family and his past. And he had abuse problems uh, growing up, not him, but with his parents. And he decided at a young age that he was never going to be like that. And he decided that he was going to raise his family once he had one with Christian morals and values and to stick to them. You never hear about Andre Ward out drinking and in the club and so on and so forth. Or causing confusion or, or anything. Or talking crazy to people. He's ready for every fight. He's respectful even when his opponent is disrespectful. And he really did let his fist do the talking. And he went in there. He was an underdog in the Super 6 series, which, by the way, is a series they need to bring back. I, re- I just read that they're going to put it in place for the uh, flyweights. 
You think? I think. Yeah, I just read something where they were talking about putting a uh, a super six in place for the for the flyweights. But he went in there, and Andre Ward was not the Andre Ward that we know now, brand Jordan fighter or anything like that. He was just a dude representing Oakland that came out and, With heart. and beat up all of those guys. He beat up, I think it was Frock. Let me look at this. Carl Frock. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a nice. Even your boy Glenn was in it, wasn't it? Hold on. I'm going to read them all out because it was a beautiful, that was a beautiful uh, boxing, that was a beautiful boxing event. And it took place over time, and I felt like people didn't really, you know, people didn't allow, didn't understand that you need to allow time for something like that. Just like the same amount of time that you're allowing for all these fights to happen anyways, right. except for they're happening in a form kind of scenario. You had Andre Ward, Carl Frock, Arthur Abraham, who was a stud, Glenn Johnson, <laughs> who don't even, let's not even talk about the kind of pressure that Glenn Johnson put on people. Um, and he was a replacement for, my, for Michael Kessler, who withdrew, but he lost in the first bout, and then he withdrew after that. He lost to Andre Ward. Andre Durrell was in there, uh, AD's brother, Anthony's brother, and a cat named Alan Green was in there, and Jermaine Taylor was in there. This was a serious tournament. Jermaine Taylor, I haven't heard. That's a blast from the past. I Man, and he, you know, I, I hope the brother gets better because he was having some mental problems. He, he really needed some rest, and he needed to get himself together because he was riding around with firearms and so on and so forth. Right. Um, but what ended up happening was is that Andre Ward walked through the tournament. And he then, in turn, put himself on the map. He went on to wonderful victories against Chad Dawson and other guys who were bigger, like how he handled Kovalev. And one thing that I really appreciate for the champ is that he went up, he had no complaints, he did his work, and then he retired. There's, there's, I don't anticipate Andre Ward to be the guy that actually comes back three or four times. And all I think this, he's that, finished. I think he's finished. I think he recognizes the dangers of the fight game. Yeah, and he got his money. That, yeah, he now, doesn't live extravagantly. And you saw that last decision, and that might have just took him, taken him over the top. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, because he's probably saying, you know what? Why am I risking my life and everything for that? I mean, this is not, it's not, it's not fair. That's a wonderful point. This uh-huh. is the danger of these bogus decisions. Yeah. It makes other fighters say, what am I doing really? When I get my money, I should probably just wrap it up because I'm out here risking my life and it's obviously not being respected and it's being called from a higher level on a political standpoint. Exactly. So the moment that, that they decide that I'm not the guy is the moment that they can ruin my, turn off my spigot basically. Right. And that's that, and that eventually will happen to him, and he's almost to, there now. Yeah. You know, he got the yep. he stopped Kovalev, but I don't really know if he stopped Kovalev this time if he would have got that decision. Now, you brought up a great point to me before about that the first fight, which I had to re, you know, go over the fight again, and I would have to take Kovalev over him in the first fight because Kovalev was the champion. He was a champ. Yeah, he and he didn't champ. and he didn't do enough. The champ put to him on his back champ's belt. and to, to take the champ's belt. Now I wouldn't, but but. I don't feel like with boxing the way that it is that he would have got a fair shake if he wouldn't have put Kovalev out, you know? I'm just happy that he's leaving the game with all of his faculties. That's awesome. He's actually a good announcer. When you, If you go on ES News and you ever listen to them talking to Andre Ward, if you go on any of the, the, uh, the, the YouTube uh, channels where you watch boxing, Andre Ward always has a very succinct insight. He, it's very, very sharp, dude. We've spoken to him a lot at the different fights, and he's a sharp guy that understands boxing, obviously. As Ellie brought up, he hasn't lost a fight since he was 12 years old or something yeah. like that. He understands boxing. 
And when and he's one of the announcers that you can actually watch, and I would feel like you know what he's being honest. He's not being I, biased. I, I, and this goes back to the whole integrity thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think Andre Ward is a guy that's gonna go corporate. Yeah. I don't think he's gonna sell out. I think he's gonna call the fight as he sees it, and and it is what it is. And I I'm really interested to see him start calling these championship fights uh, because I would imagine his deal would continue with HBO with the home team. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I just wish him the best, man. I can't wait to run into the champ again. We always seem to run into him in cool places, and he's always a positive dude, always with a smile. Really happy for him, and and happy he's retiring in tip top condition and, and going on his out terms, on his terms, and at the top of the pound for pound list. <laughs> yeah, he retired as the number one fighter in the world. Because you know, usually boxing it seems like they get you over the bear a little bit. You got to take a couple of fights too many. And, Always. And, and whether it's for money or whether it's for, you know, whatever what I mean? pride or whatever it is. But then yeah. you end up on the short end of the stick. And he's smart enough to say, you know what? This is enough for me. Right. And, and honestly, with a guy like him, even if he walked away and came back, he hasn't taken that much punishment like that where you would feel like, oh, my God, please don't come back and get killed. No, I agree. But at the same time, he moved up. And I don't think he needs to keep moving up. I don't even think he needs to move up. If I was him, if he does come back, I would go right back to 168. I wouldn't go mess around with these guys at 175, the Donna Stevens and all these kind of guys, even though he can beat those guys. I just don't think – I think they have weight classes in boxing for a reason. And if anything's going to happen, guys like Gennady and Danny Jacobs and those guys would have to move up to fight him. But he's retired, so we don't even have to worry about that. So farewell, champ. Oakland stand up. That's town business. And uh, and you represented very well. You always did. Now, um, the thing that I want to speak about is King Kong Ortiz. The Dirty King. The Dirty King. The Emperor's new clothes. He's butt naked out there. Luis Ortiz, the big heavyweight out of Cuba, was scheduled to fight on November 4th with American champion Deontay Wilder, and he tested dirty. Hello. And, like, way dirty. And, like, the kind of dirty that you test when you're just like, I'm rolling the dice, I don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, whatever. Maybe they catch me, maybe they don't. Now, for a fighter like him, I'm thinking to myself, why would he do that? Because he has he been doing it in the past, you know? Has, is this that, is, is that where his so power is coming hard, from? This is what's so hard to call after a guy tests dirty. This is That's what's hard. Because you, you don't rat? really know if he's a dirty rat. Ooh, you dirty rat. It's the truth. Because now you're looking at it, and uh, Deontay Wilder, I know you're not the biggest Deontay Wilder fan. I am I am a fan of the Bronze Bomber. I see the flaws that he has, but in real life, there's only one fighter that I could say clearly, in my opinion, is a better fighter than him, and that's Anthony Joshua. And even Anthony Joshua can get caught with that right and get put to sleep. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I don't even I, think it'll go five rounds. I think Anthony Joshua will knock him out in five rounds. Maybe, but see, this is the thing. here, And, and if he does, this is the defense that I would lean on. What's your defense? Deontay Wilder can't get the fights that he needs to develop to become great. And that's unfortunate because now you're looking at this is the third opponent to come fighting dirty against him. Right. Why are guys so scared of him? He came out on, 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 he got roasted and dragged because he came out on his Instagram page. Looking like he was going to cry. It looking like he was going to cry, but that's not why he got dragged because he said that he is now usurped Mike Tyson as the most scared man in, in boxing history. Because guys keep having to run to the juice before they face him. And he has a point. Three guys in a row, some of which were supposed to be champions of this belt or of that belt. You have Povetkin, you got uh, 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 Ortiz, and you got the other cat. I can't remember his name. Another European cat who have all decided that they would rather juice and take a chance on getting caught 
than actually fight the champ. Now, the problem is he can never develop the skill set that he needs to be great, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. without the fights that test you. Anthony Joshua became great in that fight this year, which, to my in my opinion, is still the fight of the year, uh, with 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 uh, Vital- uh, Vladimir Klitschko. That's when he became great. He wasn't great before that. He was a good fighter who had only had 18 fights, who everybody suspected and expected to be great. But he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. You got to prove the greatness. You got to go get it. And another example of that is, for example, Aaron Judge right now. Aaron Judge had a monster season. He had a great season. But if you're going to be a great Yankee, it happens between October 1st and November 1st. It is time to perform. This is go time. You don't get to be just regular season great and then considered an all-time great. Now, obviously, it's a little early for Aaron Judge, uh, but you understand where I'm going with the analogy. Because Jeter set the standard so high. All of those guys. Yeah. Bernie Williams, Jeter, Posada. Those guys were young when they balled. So this is is my point, is, is that but Wilder... Then he'll fight a journeyman, and what I feel like is is that Wilder fights up or down to it's his pending, yeah, to to the level of his competition, and because the fight, the and that's pe- where he loses me. I get you. They'll speak on it. No, I just felt like he's not prepared a lot of times because when he gets in there with the lesser opponent, he he literally fights down and he ends up in trouble and he can't finish him. It's as well, no, no, as whoa, 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 whoa! I was about to say, don't say he can't finish him. No, the no, guy's thirty eight, no, with thirty seven knockouts, yeah, ninety seven percent. He gets you out of there. Yeah. I mean, he's not George Foreman or nothing, but he still doesn't do enough to me to look like uh, an elite fighter. His record says that he is, but the quality opponents says that he's not. And that's not necessarily his fault, in my opinion, because there's just a, not a lot of great heavyweight fighters for the last, say, 10 years or so. But The heavyweight division is terrible. Yeah, exactly. But it's coming back, and he's a big reason for it. Why are you getting in there? Now, <laughs> I'm not ready, bro. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 still, sure. I'm still too jiggly. I'm not ready yet. No, I can't take a body shot. <laughs> and so so then when I go and look at the at the situation, his greatest fight, in my opinion, was the fight that ca- where he captured the belt, which was against Bermain uh, Stivern, the, the Jamaican champion, mm-hmm. who was great. And the only thing that marred that is that Stivern had a medically documented uh, issue that was his, you know, that, that he had that situation where he overtrained and his muscles broke down into his blood, blah, blah, blah. So late he couldn't perform. But that's not on Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder stepped no. up to the challenge. He did what he needed to do. Um, now, the problem is, is since that point, he's fought a bunch of dudes who are not on the higher level. Not because of he's running, but just because there's not anybody else he can fight. He fought the guys that he's looking to fight to improve. You know what I mean? And uh, like that guy that he knocked out, uh, Splitska, the the big Russian dude or German dude that he knocked out that that tried to say, oh, he didn't actually hit that hard. <laughs> and he knocked him out in the ninth round. Why with are that- you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even know he got knocked out. And then I think that was in Atlantic City. And so, you know, he fought that guy and he fought a good fight there. But then you watch him against like a Gerald Washington. You watch him against a journeyman and, and he struggles. And he struggles. But and then you think him out of there. Yeah, but still, you think to yourself, you why can't you struggle like that against you AJ. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't, can't struggle str- like that you're against going, AJ. You're, he's going to get you out of there. But the problem is, is that when you have a situation like this, now Louis, Louis Ortiz didn't, did, doesn't want to fight because he wants to juice. Deontay Wilder went as far as to say, I'll fight him anyways. And part of that problem to me is, is that this has to be messing with his money. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Millions Mauricio of dollars. Mauricio said now. the same thing, though. Mauricio came out and said the same thing. Really? I watched a video on YouTube about it yesterday, and he said that you know they're actually playing with his money because he can't fight. You know, so it's really not fair to him. 
it's and they not, have to figure out a way to, you know, to make sure that he gets compensated because this keeps happening to him. And he's, you know, this is his livelihood. This is his livelihood. And now, and then what is he supposed to do? Now he's supposed to take a fight with Anthony Joshua that he's not prepared for because he hasn't fought the right kind of opponents to lead up to Anthony Joshua right. and get hurt. Well, That's not right. And that's what Mauricio was saying about him still fighting Ortiz or whatever. He said it, we, their number one, you know, priority is to keep him safe. Yeah. And you get in there with an Ortiz who already is a heavy hitter. And then he's got the juice with him. And then he's going, oh, you can. <laughs> and then he powers up and says, I do can. And it's all bad. Yes. I, yeah. I, I feel sorry for the champ because I actually feel his pain. Now, as far as him being the baddest man on the planet and everybody being completely frightened to fight him. I don't know about that, but, but maybe so. I mean, he he got, he got, he's got to roll with something. I mean, he's got, he makes a valid point. If you're him, you have to be figuring out why can't I get a fight? Why can't these guys just train and eat right and have the discipline to do what they're supposed to do? Just like I'm doing. Because that's what I'm doing. Yeah. It's easy to, you know, (laughs) stick that needle. It's easier to go with the needle. Unbelievable. Very disappointed in King Kong Ortiz. Both for actually both for like- his moniker and for his <laughs> choice in this uh, in this this performance. Yeah, and for myself, I actually felt like he could win that fight. Of course, because you like the juicer. <laughs> dirty, dirty icons. Well, well remember <laughs> what Deontay Wilder <laughs> what did Deontay Wilder say about him taking the juice? That's mud. <laughs> that right is real. Huh? That's right is real. He could kill somebody. He's not kidding though. He can kill him. especially with the with the heavyweights. The heavyweights can't mess around and cheat. That would be murder. It literally could be murder. You could actually kill somebody. Or not. Or not. I mean, but you can give them brain damage. <laughs> and what did Floyd say about that? I ain't getting brain damage. <laughs> so, you know, we know where we are. So this is uh, this is a very interesting time in the sport. I would love to see Deontay Wilder actually get the opportunity to become his best, you know? I really, really would love that. It would be great because in this situation, he's, you know, he can't do it. How are you going to do it if it doesn't happen? You know what I mean? Let's see what let's see what Wilder had to say himself about the situation on his Instagram page. It, just a heads up, Wilder has a tendency to use some colorful language, folks, so be prepared. Yeah, that condition supposed to be right. I'm going to be sweet. What's up, baby? It's your boy, the Bronze Bomber. I just want to let everybody know that I will be fighting November the 4th at the Barclay Center still. You know, uh, announcements coming soon. We'll see what's going on. We're going to try to resolve this matter as soon and as fast as possible. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know for sure November the 4th is still going down. And it's all up to the WBC, whatever they want to do with it. You know, I've already put in the request that I still want to fight him no matter what. Because, you know, these motherfuckers don't do these PEDs. They just going to do it. So, (laughs) if you need some help with me, fine. Let's make this shit still happen. But, again, it's not up to me. So, we'll see what happens, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You, you got to like Ortiz. I mean, you, Ortiz. Yeah, you got to yeah, like Wilder. Yeah, boy, come on, don't do it. <laughs> you got to like Wilder. He, he keeps it 100, which I always appreciate. Right. He's, he's all, and he's always has, really. You know, and I, what do you I, want from him? What do you want from him, man? I need to fight. <laughs> and I'm actually an aggressive person. I've been training. And, and, and honestly, I've been disciplining myself for months. And for myself, if he really wants to show himself, 
as the, as some of the older folks would say, show his ass, is that he would get in there and, and fight Ortiz and just punish him. And punish him for cheating. Uh-huh. And then put him to sleep. And get him out of there. About six rounds. Give him six, five rounds of good punishment and give him a pillow. Man, that would be really impressive, to be honest. Yeah, would but be. Now, but now, but Ortiz King, plays games. I was just about to say, it's not like I've seen King Kong or King Kong. <laughs> King Kong. <laughs> I've seen King Kong Ortiz play a lot of games, too. He plays games. He plays games with journeymen and guys who are in shape like me and still can't get them out of there, which is a problem. And there's no reason for him to be carrying a fighter. No way. No mm-hmm. way. You don't have that kind of the draw at this point. You need to get guys out of there. So I think, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested to see what, what happens I hope he gets to fight somebody. And truth be told, that may be a fight that we're interested in going to because I'd like, I'd like to see the big fellas. i definitely like to see the big fellas get busy. And that's around that time of the uh, fight night out in uh, D.C. Oh, yeah. That wonderful charity event in Washington, D.C. that we go to every year. Yep, yep, yep. Well, it's go time, folks. I have to say, I think that the Houston Astros are serious based on the way that they've scheduled their rotation. You like that? Come on, man. They're going with Justin Verlander in game one. You show me that you're serious. It's not about ego. This it's is about a, winning. The, and, and Justin Verlander has been lights out since he came over. And he's a big game pitcher. Big time pitcher. And I don't know if Chris Sale's a big time pitcher. You know, it's the end of the year. Chris Sale usually struggles around this time. Yeah. And we have to see, although it'll be a little bit cooler, but stamina, his legs, and everything else. You know, he's going to strike people out. But how can the Red Sox react after, you know, if they get down? Because. I mean, honestly, they don't have the thump to get back in the game with the big three-run bomb that most of these other teams carry. They got a couple guys still get the ball out the park. Don't sleep. But, yeah, but you're but, talking but about really, Verlander. But Jackie, get... Jackie Bradley has hurt the team by <laughs> not getting hot. Why you got to bring that up? I'm just saying it because Jackie Bradley has the tools to, to be that force to hit four or five home runs in a, in a week. Yeah, yeah. He's and, definitely streaky. Yeah, and he, I still haven't seen him hit that hot streak this season. You know, and I did. I think this is just the league making adjustments to him because if you see him getting hot, then you go back to the old old four formula, and uh, it works on him. Mm. You know, and so he's you know like a guy like Tanaka that you would face. We talk about all the time. Tanaka will stay in the dirt. He refuses to give in. I won't throw strikes. And 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 guess what? I'll walk in runs before <laughs> I give in with the cheese. Yeah, and you swing at it because you're saying to yourself as a hitter. There's no way he would It's 3-2 with the bases loaded. He has got <laughs> to throw me a strike. And he says to himself, no. Nope. You know what? I'm going to stick with the splitter in the dirt. <laughs> I, that's what you need right now. Taste that. And then I say, yes, I yeah. do need it. I'll, I'll take the strikeout. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm very interested in that series, especially given how they split, even though only the first two games of that were series were real. Yeah. And they handled the Red Sox in those first yeah. two games. Um, but I'm I'm pumped up to see Bentendi in the postseason. Yeah, I think that he's a big time player. Especially I think from, that he's you know, a real player. College and everything else. So yeah, he's he's ready for the pressure. I think he's ready for prime Mookie time. Bets. I think Mookie's ready for prime. Even though Mookie's got those nagging injuries, yeah. that seem like they're and just hanging around. I I love you know I you don't even knew you were never crazy for him. Hand Ram's my man. I love Hand Ram. Yeah, but he played. You know he I I lost flavor because sometimes he decided that he was going to play and sometimes it was like well whatever. Yeah. You know? I noticed you like a good consistency. Yeah, package I like with I like your for athletes. you to sell out. I want you to sell out. I want to sell out Blitz. Okay, well then I'm going to tell you. I voted for Donald Trump. Uh, you're a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> you went all the way. <laughs> yeah, you went too far. Ernie turned off his mic. Oh my goodness! I did not. Just for anybody who's who just tuned in for that piece. 
They're not uh, both for the hot Cheeto. No. And then uh Flaming. Flaming hot. And then um and then we got the games, the straight the straightaway games. We have the the Yankees and the and the twins tonight. Yeah, which everybody feels like the Yankees are just going to destroy them. And I don't know if Severino is up to the task. I know what we can expect from uh, Santana. Santana is the real deal. Santana's is uh, uh angel product. And the angels usually, you know, they cultivate good talent, especially pitching talent. And he was the real deal back then. And in the first half of the season, he was unhittable. He was unhittable the first half of the season. Sometimes Irvin Santana loses focus, and this is my concern. Right, and I don't think he's going to lose focus in a situation like this. I don't either, but I also think that Yankee Stadium always favors the Yankees. Of course. You know, that team <laughs> is built. That team is built for that stadium. Yeah, and they, they're pumping on all cylinders right now. They got everybody. They're, they're all hands on deck. And, and I think that that's going to play into it. I, I really feel like a key to this is the top of the lineup. I feel like if if Brett Gardner can set the tone and stay on base and put pressure on, that's a big that's a that's that's going to change a lot of stuff. For me, I don't feel like the Brett Gardners or the you know the, the Ellsburys are the the key. I feel like, like Starlin Castros like and Didi. Castros and Didi. The Castros and Didi's are the ones who are consistent. They have just enough pop and they have just enough to get in the I mean, gaps. And, and this and is the reason they should win the game. Yeah, and they, and they they don't strike out a lot, and that's and, a problem. And if the Yankees get ahead of you after five, the game should be over. It should be over. Because I, Chad Green, you can't hit. Yeah. Batanzas plays a lot, but he's still very hard to hit. Chapman has had a resurgence, and he's lights yeah. out. You got, one is, more, you got one more cat in the bullpen. Who is it? Dave Roberts. Yeah, big Dave Roberts. Robertson, yeah. And that this is actually Dave Roberts. <laughs> he's, he's, big Dave Roberts. He's, he's, I forget coaching. I'm just going to go ahead and throw <laughs> no, a couple No, no, he does them both. <laughs> he flies out for the games in between. No, but yeah, you know, uh, and, and this is the thing. This is why the Yankees could potentially be a problem for anybody that they face. Because if you get up after the game. six, they can shorten the game. With but, the most best of the team, but most of the teams are built like that now. It's true. But they're they're right there with everybody. That's the thing. First of all, they can't beat Houston. This has been shown over and over They and have over. a hard time in Houston. Yeah. And um, especially, that's without Verlander being there. Yeah. Not, was, they can't beat Dallas Keuchel for some reason. Like, <laughs> yeah, they Keuchel's got their Dallas number. Keuchel. And they got Tanaka's number. Yeah. And especially, they beat them at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. 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 A couple times. Yes. A couple times. So you're going with you you're going with a four three game. You don't know who's gonna win. Yeah, huh? this game is uh really a toss up because there's I know that everybody's leaning towards the Yankees, but Minnesota has enough firepower to win too. Paul Molitor is a good coach, man. He's a good coach. He's a matter of fact, he's a above average coach. And a guy like Brian Dozier is a problem. And he's a problem. But Brian Dozier has just as much pop as anybody in baseball. In all of baseball. Yes. Including the big fellas. Exactly. He hits just as many home runs consistently every single year. Yeah. Yeah. I think they need a Brian Buxton to show up. I think they need a Eddie Rosario, a streaky guy like that, yeah. to show up. And, and you know you what? Sleepers, yeah, and that sleeper cell, who is that kid that plays short for him? That kid is the real deal as well. He's a problem. Uh, Escobar? Edu- yeah, Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's been really solid. But what they do, too, is that they have Grossman, and then they have the other lefty, uh, Max Kepler. So, you know, and, and they're going to throw Severino out there, and he's going to go against these power-hitting lefties, and Yankee Stadium is built to, for the ball to leave the stadium, and they have enough to do that. They you do. might see a slugfest, honestly. And, and <laughs> see, and this is the issue is that I don't think that they have the bullpen to stop. No. The, this is the problem. Yeah, I, this is why I got to go with New York is because they don't have the bullpen. Once they get up, they can lose the game in the eighth. And, and I think that, that that isn't, you know. I think one of the big things is that both of the teams are young. So what can happen is that either one of these teams can be demoralized once they get down. This is true. But I don't think it's going to happen with the Yankees. The crowd's going to be too into it. I think, it's, I think there's too many ghosts in the stadium. There's too much love and magic. I'm going with the Yankees. 
But tomorrow, I'm actually going with the underdog. Tomorrow, I'm going with John Gray over Zach Greinke. <laughs> you not you don't feel Zach Greinke's work. Yeah, he cost me a fantasy. <laughs> you never forgave him. I never forgave him. You never forgave him. Which is a funny. young brother. <laughs> Which is funny because he actually balled this year. I can't front on Zach Greinke. Yeah. He, he dealt this year. But I believe, and this is another situation. I mean, I could be just speaking with my heart here because Colorado doesn't have a good bullpen either. Um, but I would, uh, I would venture to say stick for stick. Colorado can bang with anybody in all baseball. Yes. The biggest thing is that you got them away from the stadium. I don't think so because Chase Field is a homer dome just like it Colorado. Is, but, they're, but they're not at home. Yeah, they're not at home. They're not I at agree home. with that. You, I but agree you with have that. Charlie Blackman and Nolan Arenado that hit everywhere. Everywhere. Every single everywhere. place you go. And Arizona and, has. And, uh, and don't sleep on what? DJ LeMayu. Yeah, but Arizona, excuse me, Arizona has one of the best lineups in baseball, too, with J.D. Martinez in there. J.D. Martinez may be the best player in baseball. <laughs> yeah. So, J.D. Martinez swings a stick, And with man. Paulie Goldsmith, I mean, that's a serious lineup, man. Serious lineup. If they could get A.J. Pollock on board, that's, that's going to be a problem. problem. Yeah. They need him. You got freaking Jake Lamb out there. But their bullpen Lamb is suspect. Dropped. Suspect. Yeah. I don't know. But and John I think, Gray. And I, I think this is going to be the problem for both of these teams against the Dodgers. Even though the Dodgers, in theory, uh, I don't think have put up the best September but I think that what ends up, what's going to end up happening is, is that the bullpen is going to betray these guys. Honestly, I might have gone. Uh, the 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 best thing about going with Grinky is if you win, you come back game one, Robbie Ray against Clayton Kershaw. That's going to be a game. That that'll be a game because Robbie Ray can deal. Yeah, and Arizona gives them a problem, but. I mean, Zach Greinke, I would have to take the Colorado Rockies as well because Zach Greinke, even with the Colorado Rockies being in Arizona, they actually hit Zach Greinke well. Yeah. Matt, I remember when Mark they busted Reynolds, him up. Yeah. Bad. Trevor Story gives him a serious problem. And so I think Trevor Story has like four bombs off of him. Wow. Really? Something like that. Really? Well, it's going down. And then uh, by the time we get back on the mic, folks, we may shoot you an espresso shot. But by the time we get back on the mic, the, the division series will have started. I'm very excited to see this Cubs versus National Series and see if Max Scherzer is going to be able to play. They're making it sound like his hammy was, uh, wasn't was right. Uh, you, that, you know, that's <laughs> that's, that's a, a drama. It's a, they got to build soap a drama. You, you would have to shoot Max Scherzer to make sure that, that he gave up. <laughs> Max Scherzer will be out there. I just don't see the Tribe losing, man. They're tough. They're tough. They're starting with Trevor Bauer. Tito Francona is fantastic. That's, they're starting with Trevor Bauer. That's terrible. And they're starting with Trevor Bauer because what they're saying is we're really good. And, and we can start and, with Trevor Bauer. And if we start, if we beat you with Trevor Bauer, just go home. Yeah. Don't even come to next. But, the but next guess what day. the Astros are going to have for Trevor Bauer? That's not the Astros that they're pitching against. No, I'm saying if when you talk about a Trevor Bauer facing a team like the Astros, you're going to have a problem. Trevor Bauer is not the type of pitcher that I, I can really trust in big-time situations. Yeah, but Corey Kluber is. And Carlos Carrasco is. True. And so all, all that nonsense you're talking. <laughs> they, they, but, we were, but we're talking about Keuchel and then Verlander. I'm, I can't trust Dallas Keuchel. Why not? Why you can't? <laughs> Why not? LeVar? LeVar falls yeah. in the building. Some involuntary LeVar came yeah, out. They had to. <laughs> had to. Well, yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see what goes down. But by the time we get back hot on the mic, somebody's going to be down 0-2 in the division series. <laughs> They're ready to go home. It's real. And I hope it won't be the Dodgers because I would like some postseason baseball in L.A. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, so moving on, uh, you see that. Your boy, LeVar Ball, made a move. Speak on it. Oh, yeah, he's pulling his son out of school. He's going to homeschool him, he said. And he doesn't know, actually, if or what UCLA is going to do because he's verbally committed to UCLA. 
So, you know, uh, he's really taking a gamble, he said, but I think that he's having another problem with the coach up there at Chino Hills High School. And now why do you think that is? What is the coach saying versus what LeVar is saying? Well, from what they, what I gather from inside sources is that they're telling the kid that he can't shoot the ball 50 times a game, which is honestly not really. Understandable. Yeah, not really that bad. It should be there for all the rest of the kids. You know, they're, they're using that as a, a place to display his talents, but it should be there for everybody to be able to play. And he can still get his points and his numbers and still show his skill set. They're projecting this kid to be like the ninth pick of 2019 or something like that. I don't know how they come up with these projections already. So basically they're saying he's going one and done at yeah. UCLA and then follow up straight with the Lakers or with somebody else and, yeah. Be, yeah. and be the best. Now, given what Mr. Ball was able to accomplish with Alonzo and the through the fanfare and the whole song and dance, I mean, honestly – there was other kids that I would have taken instead of LeVar Ball, instead of Lonzo Ball yeah. in the draft. But I think that one of the things that he did, which was really impressive, is he whammied the whole league. Huh? Yeah, he he he. But one, well, you know, they're having a problem though because they're trying to figure out this little trick that he's done because he has his son with a uh, with a shoe contract, I guess, or some kind of contract that's actually illegal at this point. You can't really, yeah. So I think that his son has a shoe contract. He has a, his own signature shoe at this point. And I don't. I think that it might be against the rules, so he might not be able to play in college. Ooh, so maybe this is happening behind the scenes, and yeah. that's where the secret sauce is yeah. about what's going down. Yeah. Mm, I wonder if he's going to be signed to Big Baller Brand, or if he's going to take some cheese from somebody else this time. Why can't you do it both? Why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seems like he's on the. You know, his father's on point. He's just a little bit. You know, not. I'm not going to say out there like that. I just think that he thinks out of the box, and I don't see which, anything which wrong to, with that. I was that. about to say, which to me is beautiful. Yeah, I, I actually you have to take your chances. I'm a I, I'm your gambler. Support out. We all know that, <laughs> but I, I support that family for sure. Yeah. Well, folks, thank you for uh, uh, rocking with us on a spirited edition of the Ozone. It's baseball time, so you'll probably be hearing from us a bit more often. And we're going to leave you with a quote from uh, Agmandino, maybe OG Mandino from the greatest salesman in the world. It is in truth. The only difference between those who have failed and those who have succeeded lies in the difference of their habits. Good habits are the key to all success. Bad habits are the unlocked door to failure. Thus, the first law I will obey, which precedeth all others, is I will form good habits and become their slave. Thanks for riding with us, folks. This is the Ozone. I'm your host, Omar Miller. I'm here with my brother, Terry Miller. You can find him at Icons, E-Y-E-C-O-N-Z, all over the internet place to be. Yeah. I was on the fly, ay, I was on the side, ay, I was on the grind, had to switch up, now everybody got their lights off, from Soho to SoCo, I do this thing total, so theaters, you can find me in the Ozone, chilling with my crew, working till the day that our dreams free you might find LeBron bumping this up in the kitchen. I'm just living the dream, I'm in love with the lights, why you looking at that man, you guys talking about that whole thing, you're just waiting to hear it, 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 you're just waiting to hear it,